Hey all, so this week I thought I'd try out Substack's podcasting feature, and I'm going to go ahead and read you this article. Here's a little ditty I made as if this was a legit podcast. As you probably read about in countless memes and tweets, the IPCC released another damning report saying that the next few years are critical if we want to stop climate change. This triggered an array of cynical memes about how while we were all talking about Will Smith's slap at the Oscars and sharing our TikToks, the world was literally burning. Most of the people sharing these memes have such shallow historical memory that they forget that just a few weeks ago, they too were posting, clicking, and reading about Will Smith's slap. And therein lies the issue with environmentalism. It's delusional. 1. The threats are simply not meaningful. How many IPCC reports does it take? How many headlines? We have been threatened every day for nearly decades. Clearly, something isn't working about the way this thing is being marketed. Let's dive into why that is. I've felt for a long time that conservatives and Republicans are far better at the publicity and marketing game than their other half. Democrats are too well-meaning and earnest to be effective with marketing. While Obama named his landmark statute the Affordable Care Act, it was the Republicans originally disparaging Obamacare which eventually caught on. As such, environmentalism's first failure was calling it climate change. I honestly can't think of a more uninteresting term. If the Republicans wanted you to save the planet, they'd probably call it Total Earth Annihilation! and use images of a fiery planet with American flags up in flames on porches, not just a sad hot earth or seagulls with oil on them. Instead, we get, quote-unquote, global warming, a term so dull that Dennis Miller can get on Fox News and disarm the entire argument by saying, two degrees, that's the global warming? It's okay, I'm always a little cold anyway. I get the IPCC is just doing their job, and that scientists must keep doing science and releasing their work, and that this is an important piece of the puzzle. But the science is also in that science does not convince people of anything. If it did, everyone would eat healthy, no one would smoke cigarettes, and we'd be healing the planet. A good primer on this fact is in the book The Righteous Mind, which discusses how there is so much political division because we all seem to think that some data or arguments are what convinces people of things, when in reality, it's compassion and tolerance which opens the door for understanding, not IPCC studies, think pieces, and PowerPoint presentations. Even former Vice President Al Gore understood that. While an inconvenient truth was pretty much a PowerPoint presentation, in the follow-up, an inconvenient sequel, plug, I edited and produced the New York Times bestselling book for it, he changed his tune. And instead of all science, he featured a much more effective psychological route, money. He featured Republican mayors of Texan towns who, even though they didn't believe in climate change, implemented solar farms for their cities and reaped the financial and political benefits. He appealed to selfishness rather than reason, and he made it such that it does not matter whether people are convinced climate change is real in order for them to be part of the solution. When are journalists going to realize that the endless reports about how the world is ending are actually having the opposite effect on their goals? It reminds me of Facebook in late 2016, right around the time I deleted it, as I watched well-meaning liberals with a poor understanding of marketing psychology sharing endlessly about Trump and how he was going to ruin the world. 
If they had stopped for a moment to realize that Trump and his followers love when liberals get outraged and that it is quite literally what feeds them, they might have instead taken a different tactic, one that didn't focus attention on an enemy who thrives on attention. A good primer for this phenomenon is George Saunders' essay, The Brain Dead Megaphone. The sooner that climate change marketing gets a bit more of an edge and leaves the science to scientists, the sooner we'll actually see people helping stop this train. That brings us to our next concern. I don't actually think we can stop this train. Two, we didn't personally create climate change. We can't personally fix it. There is a reason we love superhero movies. It's great to watch one person or a small group of amazing people save the planet while everyone else just goes about their lives. In the paraphrased words of my visionary friend Edmund Zagarin while discussing artificial intelligence, he says, Any plan for the future which requires a mass human behavior change is dead in the water. It simply won't happen. I often write and think about the incredible gymnastics that many of my fellow citizens, friends, and family will go to in order to not think about capitalism. In another amazing show of how effective Republicans are at their jobs, in many circles, even very quote-unquote progressive ones, it's kind of taboo to critique capitalism. Actually, it's worse than a taboo. It's passé, it's cliché, and it's boring. And even in circles where critiquing capitalism and standing AOC and Bernie is more acceptable, very little of that conversation becomes self-reflective. It's kept at a distance, as if capitalism is some external system that we are not part of, that our brains are not part of. Since capitalism is a system of control around human relations, it only makes sense that our interactions with everyone from our life partners to our dry cleaners to the homeless guy on the corner are deeply steeped in its control and its rules. Until we question how our every decision has been prescripted for a system that does not benefit us, we will still be part of it. This is exemplified most clearly to me in watching kids volunteer to pick up trash on the beach. While some may see enterprising young people taking the future into their hands, I see the burnt ends of an economic system that incentivized environmental torture for centuries and now is weaponizing our guilt about taking part in it. One of the largest companies on God's once green earth is Coca-Cola, a company that literally bottles sugar in plastic around the globe for no real reason. Once their sales plummet them into non-existence and or the executive board realizes how unhelpful their existence is and disbands voluntarily, then I will be able to say, change is happening. Until then, the kids picking up trash on the beach make me very, very, very sad. We collectively caused climate change. Wait. Let me qualify that. The previous few generations, you know, the ones that said people should give birth laying on their backs, marijuana and mushrooms were harmful to society, and Coca-Cola was refreshing, they caused climate change. We are just the burnt ends. This idea that we should be picking up the trash on the beach and its related delusion, reduce, reuse, recycle, are all to me symptoms of being in an abusive relationship with a control system we did not construct in this lifetime. Corporations should be the ones reducing, reusing, and recycling, not us. Corporations have now started to actually pay people in far-off countries to pick up trash on the beach in order to have good marketing collateral and save face back in the U.S. While I actually like that plan because paying people is good, until they stop producing waste and just burn through all of their savings paying people to clean up their damn mess, it's an abusive cycle where they still win and the planet loses.
There is this charade that companies can somehow fix climate change by implementing these rules and taking some action to mitigate it. But the reality is, until Coca-Cola ceases to exist because it clearly causes more harm than benefit, then we are just spinning our tires. Here's today's affirmation. Drive your gas-guzzling truck, drink your Avion from France, throw your recyclables into the landfill because you deserve to live in a world that is harmonious by design and you don't deserve to be routinely inconvenienced by other people's evil. You are not a sinner, and that brings me to my final point. Environmentalism is just shrouded original sin. Number three, you are not a sinner. Environmentalism is based on original sin. While I'm enthusiastic about living in harmony with the earth and humanity living in symbiosis with the systems that support us, it nags me that much of this thinking is based on original sin. There's nothing inherently wrong with humanity. We have not sinned. We are earth. We are made of it. And our technology is made of it. The extinct animals will forgive us like they forgave the sharks and bears that eat them. We are certainly a pesky fungal colony on this planet, but we are not separate from it. There is nothing quote-unquote unnatural about any of it. When we talk about quote-unquote saving the planet, we are talking about saving ourselves, which is really not that interesting to me. It should come as no surprise to you that we live in a Judeo-Christian society. This is true around the globe. Even in majority Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu countries, the systems of Christianity, even just in regards to the calendar, have become so entrenched in every culture that they are very difficult to separate from irrefutable reality. Marshall McLuhan said that the one thing fish know nothing about is water. Similarly, we are steeped in Christian thinking. It surrounds us invisibly, but is ever-present. It dictates our reasoning, our sense of self, our sense of community, our sense of death, of the future, and of every aspect of our beings. Yes, even for you atheists and spiritual people. You cannot fight it. It is ingrained in you. It is a large part of what you consider you. So it makes sense that at the very core of environmentalism and saving the planet is the idea of original sin. The idea that we are broken, that we have sinned, that we are bad boys and girls, is imbued in every aspect of modern life. We are taught in implicit and explicit ways that only through actively proving our value by working hard, by praying in one way or another, and yes, by recycling our bottles, will we be able to make our way to the pearly gates. Of course, I hope you know that you don't need to pray, and you don't need to work hard, and you don't need to recycle in order to be a complete person. Even then, I was tempted to write, good person. But even that word is steeped in religiosity, with its roots in the word God, implying that a godly person is a good person. There are no good people. There are no bad people. This sort of quote-unquote rotten-to-the-core thinking is Christianity. It's rigid, it's inflexible, it's depressing, it's demeaning, and it's ultimately unhelpful for the kind of world and mental space that I think many of us hope to inhabit. The sooner we realize that Trump and Putin have the capacity to love and hurt, but are severely, severely traumatized, the sooner that better, easier, and more helpful solutions than resist, resist, resist will start coming to our collective consciousness. The idea that evil can actually win 
is a cynicism based in the Bible. Evil cannot win, and neither can good. The truth is in the balance. Once you realize you don't need to strive to be a good person, you don't need to fight evil, and you don't need to save the planet, you'll find that your energy is suddenly spent actually being a person in harmony with their surroundings, with yourself and your goals, rather than fighting some far-off and invisible demon. In closing, I think all of these incisive things, and yet I still recycle. I still compost. I still drive an electric car that's powered by solar. I dutifully set aside my batteries and styrofoam to deliver to the recycling plant personally, and I still conserve water. I take these things seriously, but not because I believe I'm saving the planet. It just feels more in harmony with the land. But even here, there are falsehoods I need to accept. When I meet someone who drives a gas car, drinks bottled water, and throws away all their compostables and recyclables, I don't meet them with animosity or I try not to. I'm not attached to the outcome my actions have on the future of the planet, or I try not to be. They are not going to ruin the planet any more than I'm going to save it. The data is in. Electric cars are going to ruin the planet too, and more than half of our recyclables end up in landfills. Don't you see it? The cycle is egotistical, never-ending, and self-fulfilling. Like a mentally ill or otherwise abusive family member or friend, the more you fight, the more it wins. The famous refrain of activists everywhere, be the change you want to see in the world, does not mean you need to change everyone around you and change every part of yourself and your actions by force. It is much, much more passive than that. Environmental harmony is not going to come by you all feeling guilty and depressed about the state of the environment. It's going to come by you loving the environment deeply, and that includes loving yourself, loving the landfills, and loving the way things unfold. So another climate change report came out that our time is running out. So what? Have a good day and set your intentions on a cleaner earth. That's honestly the most you can do. Thanks for listening.